you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Hey, what's up? From Alias Studios, this is Human Nature. I'm Marcos Trinidad. Today I'm going to tell you a story about an experience that made me look at the nature of my own neighborhood a little differently. You see, for over a decade, I've been going to a park in Northeast LA called Rio de Los Angeles State Park. It pretty much has all that you would expect to see in an urban park. There's a playground with swings and a splash pad, a baseball field, tables to eat at, and a winding pathway that is perfect for an easy hike. It's a route that I've taken over a hundred times, and I even know the locations of the plants by heart. But three years ago, while I was walking through, I heard a sound that I've never heard there before. This may sound a little crazy, but at that moment, it suddenly felt like a whole new dimension of the park opened up. Now you know me. I love being a naturalist, and I'm a person who studies and observes the natural world, professionally as a part of a national conservation organization, but also on my own. And there isn't a street corner in this city, or the whole world for that matter where nature doesn't exist. Because no matter where you are, once you open yourself up to observation, the world becomes alive in new and fantastic ways. Today we are visiting Rio de los Angeles, and I'm gonna open myself up to observation once again. This time, I'm on a quest to hear that same sound I heard before. And in the process, tell you the story of the little bird who makes it. Because I kind of feel if you understand why that bird matters, you understand why urban nature matters. All right, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll walk in and, and I have a, a little route that I do. It's not gonna be easy because the call comes from a small endangered bird known as the least bells vario. Unassuming to the eye, small and gray, but don't underestimate it. It's a mighty traveler soaring up the coastline in the spring from the southern tip of Baja to return home to nest here in California. I took my producers along. It was a balmy July morning at 8 a.m. They were groggy, but that is the time you're gonna see all the action. Oh, you know what I hear? Those are Canadian geese that are coming. The park's proximity to water is what makes it such a special place to see wildlife. Oh, check that out. That's an osprey. An osprey is a bird of prey found around water, oceans, lakes, and of course, rivers. Like this one. It's a really large white bird with a wingspan of about five feet. And it looks like it's wearing a little Zorro mask. So you hear that? It'll happen again. 
So a lot of folks are now birding by ear, which is really cool, where you don't really have to see the bird to appreciate the bird because you start to be able to recognize the, the call. And I get a lot of questions like, well, wow, like, how can you listen to that? I'm like, well, think about it. Like, how many voices can you hear in a number of different songs? And you're like, oh, that was Drake. Like, you can't sneak Drake by me. What bird is the Drake of birds? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I think for me right now, I think the Drake of, uh, of birds would probably be the, the California scrub jay. <laughs> Just because... That California scrub jay is gonna come out in everything. You're always gonna see that California scrub jay, kind of like Drake right now. <laughs> the Western scrub jay is related to the blue jay, but blue jays are found on the East Coast and have little mohawks, while the scrub jays are found here out west and have no fancy haircut. They're elegant birds with blue feathers and little white eyebrows. Here's a sample of the scrub jay call so you can hear it everywhere too. So now we're, we're going down to the lower portion of the wetlands. We go off the path and get closer to the wooded wetlands. One of my producers asked me what that sweet musk she's smelling is. If you were talking to my daughter, she would call it cowboy cologne. You know, folklore goes that before the cowboys were going into town, they'd rub this all over themselves. So it was like the original Old Spice, <laughs> right? Um, but she learned that, and then anytime she was on a on a walk with me, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, here's Artemisia or California Sagebrush." She's like, "I call it cowboy cologne." <laughs> Little six-year-old running around. Because we're in summer, cowboy cologne has gotten kind of scraggly. It looks like a big bush of dried-out rosemary with long, spindly stems and aromatic leaves. It smells really good. So it's just a combination of, of <laughs> decaying leaves. Like, this is kind of what it, what it smells like. See how that picked out? That cool little breeze, and all of a sudden you can start to hear the cottonwood, which is amazing. We look up at the swaying cottonwood tree. It's tall, with leaves that look like plump green hearts. But it's always the sound of the rustling leaves that gets to me. You can identify this tree based off of the sound of that the tree makes off of the leaves like blowing in the wind. And I just have these really awesome memories of being in the Eastern Sierras and listening to them, you know, either at night or waking up in the morning with the cool breeze. No sign of the Lisbell's Vario, though. After the break, we continue our search for this elusive endangered bird. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com slash sweeps. LAist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com slash events. The first time I heard the Lise Bowsverio at this park, my daughter was going to her tennis lessons and I was walking around the park with my son. The name of this little bird comes from a man named Bell who joined ornithologist John James Audubon on an excursion in the 1840s. It's the smallest subspecies of the Bowsverio. That's why they added the word least. For decades, you couldn't hear its call in this part of the city. But if I stood on this same land 400 years ago, there would have been an abundance of the least bells vario flapping around. Everything would have looked a lot different. I would have seen a thriving wetlands, a gathering place for deer and mountain lions and bears. The Alley River would have been full of stillhead trout, which are also endangered today. Back then, there was a balance between wildlife and humans. The Native Americans of this land didn't disrupt other ecosystems by overfishing, overhunting, or exploiting resources. The river was their main source of water and it provided for everything and everyone. But remember what we talked about in the previous episode. In the late 1700s, things would begin to change. Colonizers from Spain settled by the water, and more and more people would arrive to California. Development would continue along the riverbanks. And then, in 1938, the river would flood. The water destroyed multiple bridges, more than a thousand homes, and killed nearly a hundred people. Like we discussed before, In response to this tragedy, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers enclosed the river in a concrete channel that was made with more than three million barrels of cement. This stripped most of the river of its natural functions. We lost communities of mammals, fish, and of course, birds. The Lise Belsvario had fewer places to nest, and so the song of the Lise Belsvario faded away. And so that's why hearing its call that day was such a rush. It was so unexpected. There I was performing my dad duties with my kids in the middle of my work week and in one of the biggest cities in the world, and I was hearing an endangered species. And the only reason I can hear it at all is because starting in the 80s, a group of activists and local ecologists demanded change. If you believe in the L.A. River, If you believe in what Friends of the Los Angeles River does, and you can be part of it. Thanks to them, the city changed how they thought about natural spaces along the river. And now we have places like this park. 
First, good morning and thank you for agreeing to meet with us. Buenos dias. Anacelia Ruiz, a longtime Northeast LA resident, remembers what this area was like before the park was built. Porque anteriormente esto era casi un basurero. Señora Ana says that it was basically a garbage dump. I asked Señora Ana to meet me at Rio because she is one of the abuelas who volunteers and cares for the plants and wildlife in the park. We walk towards the wetlands. Esto aquí, aquí viven las, las mariposas y siempre no, no cortamos lo, las flores, sino que las desmoronamos. She tells me that in this area lives a community of butterflies. Señora Ana helps preserve their habitat by not removing dying flowers, but rather letting them decompose naturally. It gives the seeds a greater chance to propagate. To propagate means to reproduce. The more plants, the larger the butterfly habitat will be. But sometimes, she also gives the plants a little push. And right now, um, Senora Ana was, was looking at the California buckwheat, and right now the, the flowers are a rust color, and she's grabbing the flowers and um, dispersing the seed, which hopefully will be able to uh, propagate itself. Senora Ana is very stylish. She's wearing white pants, has a crop of gray hair under a sun hat, and polarized glasses that turn dark in the sun. She's pretty cool. She's been doing this work for 10 years. She says it's been a magnificent experience. Pero para nosotros ha sido una experiencia magnífica porque hemos visto crecer los árboles. To see the park get established, but more importantly to observe how the plants and trees grow. This is the aspect of the park that I find most moving. In the environmental and the conservation world, we talk so much about preserving ecosystems, but yet sometimes we don't apply that same thinking to communities of people. This park isn't just home to ospreys and warblers. It provides for people who live in the area. And that was done on purpose. When they designed Rio, they thought about the balance between wildlife and humans. There's a planted wetlands that is filled with California natives alongside a basketball court that's always popping. A playground where young kids go back and forth on the swing and a walking path for everyone, including abuelas like Senora Ana. She tells me taking care of the plants gives her a sense of purpose. Entonces esto le da un motivo a mi vida. Esto es como decir, oh, todavía sirvo para algo. She's not wrong. Señora Ana's work is not just a cute story about a cute little grandma. Estábamos comentando que había un, especialmente un pajarito en peligro de extinción, y se ha descubierto que encontraron en este parque tres pajaritos de esa especie. Señora Ana and everyone else who volunteers and works at this park, are literally keeping the Lisbell's vario from extinction. When we come back, I'm going to find this endangered bird. Stay tuned. Well, thank you for, for the tour. Every, all the work is, is, is really inspiring. Gracias, Marcos. Okay. 
How to LA is your connection to Los Angeles. Get to know its history. The 1920s were a huge boom time in Los Angeles, and downtown was just exploding. Its politics. It's the biggest local prosecutor's office in the country. And its food. Korean spices with like a hint of sweetness. And just everything we love about LA. Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. Okay, we're back. And a very modest guest is joining me at Rio de los Angeles. So, we're here with Dan Cooper, who some might, might know as, uh, as the rock star in the birding world. Sure, sure. I invited Dan here because he's the go-to biologist for bird surveys along the LA River. He's also the most exacting birder I know. Let's go birding. Two birders are better than one. And with Dan's help, we're close to tracking down the Lee Spells Vario. It was singing as we were walking over here, but now it uh, clammed up. So tell me a little bit about the least Bell's Vireo. It's an interesting species. So Bell's Vireos are found across the Southwest and a little bit in the Midwest. It was formerly found up in the Central Valley when that area had big river forests running through it. But then, as you know, in the last century, all the Central Valley has been pretty much converted to agriculture. Between the L.A. River getting cemented and the Central Valley being stripped to create farmland... The least bells vario was added to the list of endangered species in 1986. And these little slivers of habitat are just part of what keeps these endangered species in town. When I first spotted the least bells vario a few years ago at this park, it was a big deal because not only did I see the bird, but I also saw its nest. And so when a bird nests, that sort of can confirms that the habitat is working. You know, it has enough resources to support its young. The least bells varios are creatures of habit, and after their thousand-mile migration, they often nest in the very same tree every year. And the song is this scratchy phrase that goes up and then goes down. And so it was described to me as, uh, you take the ball, give it to me, I take the ball, give it to you. I'm not really hearing what Dan is saying, but that's the song we're trying to catch. Maybe if we go down in, in here, I heard something. A lot of stuff calling. There's an Anna's hummingbird singing, some bush tits twittering there. That's a Bullock's Oriole, that little trink. We gotta get our Vireo. I'll bet it's, it's gotta be in here. I don't hear it. I mean, eventually it'll start again. They, they, this is their territory, so like fishing, you don't always catch a fish right away. After an hour of searching for this bird, we come up short. Dan has to go on with his life, and so we say goodbye. Don't leave until you see that bird, Marcos. <laughs> I'm going to come back here at noon. You better be sweating out here looking for that guy. Yeah. All right, thanks. Thank, thank you. I keep coming back to this bird because now that it's here... We need to make sure that it sticks around. The struggle's real. 
Climate change threatens the trees and shrubs that the birds nest in. And a parasitic brown-headed cowbird lays its eggs in their nest, starving the baby vario. So after coming up short with Dan, for the next couple of days, I'm determined to go back to Rio early in the morning, hoping I will catch a glimpse of this bad boy. I record myself on my phone. It's been pretty quiet here in the wetland. It's starting to warm up a little bit. I'm feeling hopeful. I, I'm excited. I, I could feel that we're, we're going to catch something soon. The first morning, saw some cool stuff. I just spotted a black-headed grosbeak, which is pretty awesome. A nuttles woodpecker that just called above me in a willow. But no least bells vario. The second morning, I was feeling hopeful. It's a little after 8 a.m. And the park is, is definitely coming to life. Though, still nothing. Finally, on the third outing, right about the same time I was going to leave. So I found the least bells vario. I hear it calling. I'm walking toward it now. I'm in the wetlands portion right next to the railroad tracks. I can hear it. This is so cool. And I got eyes on it. There we are, our buddy, Least Bells Vario. To be able to witness a federally endangered bird, like it doesn't get much better than this. Seeing this little gray bird means so much to me. To me, the bird is a sign of what urban planners, the city government, conservationists, and naturalists like me are doing. It's working, that we're on the right track. Because what I do is about finding a balance between humans and nature a coexistence where animals, plants, and humanity are all mutually benefiting each other. For a while, many of us humans have disrupted that balance, and it's up to us to do all we can to make it right. The habitat restoration at this park is not just about restoring the habitat for wildlife. It's about also restoring the connection to people and their land. The, the example is there. We have the indicator species that are telling us that this is working, that it's possible. You have this beautiful bird and what it represents for our community, that there is something special about our community. There is something special about our visitors, whether they're feathered or whether they're walking. If we take the time to make these observations and appreciate it. And that's our show. Caroline and Carla, take it away. Human Nature is hosted by Marcos Trinidad. This episode about the least bells burial, that was produced by Antonia Serejito, Fiona Ng, and Taylor Kaufman. It was mixed and engineered by Hazmik Bogosian and Parker McDaniels. Ex Manana composed our music. Doris Anahi Munoz is the music supervisor. And the time in the field was recorded on Gabrielino Tongva territory. Human Nature is a production of LAS Studios and is produced by Caroline Champlin, who you just heard, and me, Carla Javier. Fiona Ng is our acting supervising producer. Parker McDaniels is our engineer. 
The marketing team created our branding with art by Christine Tyler Hill. Special thanks to Taylor Kaufman, Sabir Brara, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Andy Orozco, Michael Cosentino, and Neha Sheda. And thank you to Eric Galindo, Jill Repligal, Megan Larson, Mariana Dale, Marina Pena, and Sofia Paliza Carr. Antonia Serejito and Leo G are the executive producers for LA Studios. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. And this program is also made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Back to you, Marcos. I just want to say thank you again for listening to Human Nature. Now go and explore the nature in your neighborhood. All seven states on the Colorado River may have to cut back water, but not everyone agrees on how. From Coloradans who blame others for the crisis. There continues to be a look upstream to solve a problem that we did not create. To farmers who may lose their livelihoods. We don't want to cut equal with everybody else. Will they reach a deal in time? Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.